Hey, what's good, y'all? It is Brendan Whitted, um, checking in for another episode of That's Blackmail Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at H-U-C-O-S-E-L, that's H-U-C-O-S-E-L-L, or uh, to read my work or listen to anything that I put out, H-U-C-O-S-E-L.com. Very excited to be joined by Jonas Pope IV, News Observer Sports Writer. With no further ado, let's get it. Man, thanks, thanks for coming on, Jonas. Uh, this has been um, uh, a trying couple of weeks. Uh, I know I just introduced you as a, a sports writer, but uh, I know a lot of our topics that we're going to cover are just as your, um, as your, as has been your job of a journalist that you've been doing in Raleigh. So I definitely appreciate that. Um, I, I'm going to just jump right in here. Uh, you're on the scene of the of the protests in Raleigh regarding police brutality uh was a day ago two days ago um well first of all thanks for having me on i appreciate the invite um my first day was sunday so i did three straight days sunday monday and tuesday and just describe you know what kind of walk us through what you were seeing uh how the events of of the days unfolded so uh i'll start with sunday because that was my first day so kind of back up a little bit you know i watched on tv with so many other people on saturday what was going on and all the looting and everything so i didn't i really didn't i still was kind of naive to what i would be walking into on sunday and when i got there on sunday i think i arrived maybe five o'clock uh downtown and it was fine people people were in front of the capitol chanting and protesting and just you know speaking their peace amongst their amongst each other you know there were no police presence um, the people had they had the roads downtown, like Wilmington Street, Fayetteville Street. Some of those roads were blocked off. Some of those streets were blocked off. But right there on Morgan Street in front of the Capitol, people were just in the street. Uh, traffic couldn't get through, and everything was—I mean, it was fine. Other than the fact people couldn't drive through, but that's what detours are for. So people just had the streets to themselves, just minding their own business. And about an hour into that, uh, <laughs> the police showed up in riot gear, and everything went to crap after that. Um, not five minutes later, uh, the first tear gas canister was thrown. And from that moment on to about 10, 11 o'clock at, that night when I left, even beyond that, but I left like 10, 11. It was like a war zone. That's, that's the best way I can describe it. I, I mean, I hope I'm not like insulting soldiers or people who have actually been in combat battles. But I mean, for me, a civilian who from, who's from eastern North Carolina, I was just at times it felt like a war zone. You, know, you, would, hear, you would hear loud bangs going off. Uh, you you could walk up the street and see tear gas or smoke and people running at times. It's a herd of people running towards it. Was, it, was, it was scary, man. I, w- I wish I could sit here and tell you right now here on Thursday that, yo, man, good to talk to you. Everything is great. We're having a good week and yada, yada, yada. Man. But I'm still like, what I've seen, what I saw just from Sunday, I'm just like, man, this is crazy. Like, I, I don't even know how to just describe how I'm feeling right now. I'm, it was just crazy. That was Sunday. Um, so, what happened on Sunday, the end kind of overshadows like just the protest part. So then I go back on Monday and I think the curfew went into effect on Monday. So Monday was a little bit more peaceful. I mean, there was no police presence. I mean, the police were down there, but they weren't, they weren't, it kept a distance. So people were allowed to protest and march and chant. And that went on until like nine o'clock and people went home. I was home at nine thirty, ten o'clock that night. And then Tuesday, much of the same people, it was more people, people marched, people protest. 
Um, and they went home about, about 10, 11 o'clock. But so the last couple of nights have been peaceful. There haven't been any confrontations. But Sunday is just a scar for life from, from Sunday. Well, I, I kind of want to talk to you a little bit about that because I, I had seen I kind of just saw the, the aftermath of some of those Sunday's events. Like I, I wasn't because I, you know, wasn't like kind of following it in real time. Like the this idea that everything was okay until the police showed up. Like, was it was it, was an antagonistic? Like, is that why it kind of like popped off the way it did? Because you talk, you mentioned tear gas, but it sounded like it was a little bit more peaceful before that. Before that, kind of was the uh, the catalyst for a lot of the kind of craziness. Bro, there was it was like a it's like homecoming. On Sunday, up until the police showed, everybody was just chilling. People was just like on it. I mean, you know how homecomings are. You're on the yard just doing your thing. Right. Everybody was in front of the state capitol just chanting, holding signs, having a good time. I, I, when I tell you the police, the riot, the police showed up in riot gear, and not 10 minutes later, it all went. Can I, cuss up, can I curse up here? Yeah, yeah. Nice it all went to shit 10 minutes later after the police showed up in riot gear. Now, uh, they, 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 they lined up off across Salisbury Street about 30 yards away from the protesters. And then a protest, a couple of protesters started walking towards them with their hands up saying, this is a peaceful protest. We're not bothering anybody. And that was like the first, when the first canister came of, of tear gas. And like a, from that point on, it was like back and forth all night between the police and, and protesters. Now, with that being said, once the sun went down, everybody out there was not out there, was not protesters. Some people out there were just out there just wrecking stuff. After the sun went down, but it was still that, that carryover from that was a carryover from Saturday night, and also the confrontation from earlier for Sunday. But yeah, the, the initial interaction between the police and the riot gear and the, and the protesters was they were just protesting, just rallying, just chanting, and then they threw that first canister, and then boom, it just all went downhill from there. Was it kind of surreal, like between the curfew and like I've never even seen seen tear gas deployed. Like I'm not, like I've never you know I've lived in Raleigh for. 20 years or whatever it was. Uh, and I've never in, you know, I'm looking at these streets and they're, they're covered in tear. It's just on the outside looking in as somebody who grew up, I mean, maybe two, three miles from where a lot of this stuff was going on. It just looks crazy to have this sort of backdrop with this sort of, uh, this sort of stuff going on up on the, uh, in the foreground. Yeah, it was exactly. It was, it was, I don't think it all hit me what I had witnessed until it was over with, you know what I'm saying? It's like, until it was done. And then I was like, yo, they was really like they really had guns drawn. They really was like yeah. it was smoke filled streets. I was walking from my off my, our office at the end of Fayetteville Street, um, down near the Duke Energy Center, and the Capitol was at the complete opposite end. So I had to run back to my office to uh, kind of recharge my my phone battery and things like that. But as I'm, right. as I'm walking back towards the Capitol, I mean, you can just see smoke in the street. You can you can hear the stuff like cracking off. I'm like, what what am I walking towards? You know what I'm saying? Right. Like what is happening? And like even even and then it happened again. You, everybody marched to the governor's mansion, and the riot gear police showed up again, and, and somebody got too close, and they they thought they shot off of rubber bullets and threw more canisters of, of smoke. And I was like, man, this is how long is this gonna go on? Like, what is happening here? Right. And this, it got to a point like this is just, this is crazy. Like this is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. Like um, that next day, that Monday, the National Guard was there, and a coworker uh, of mine. We walked down the street together, back towards the Capitol. He was like, "They're holding re- those are real guns, man. Those aren't rubber bullet guns. Those aren't uh, pellet guns shooting little uh, bags of like BBs that hurt people. Though. Those are like guns. Like this dude, 
This dude could sneeze and take out this whole block with that gun in his hand if his fingers on the trigger. Like, and just sitting there watching that, I'm like, what, am, what, am, what is happening? Like, what, what am I seeing? Like, what is going on, like, really? I, I mean, a couple times I just sat down and looked like, I'm really walking past, like, National Guard, uh, National, the National Guard with these heavy assault weapons. For what? Like, what is happening? I, I just kept asking myself, like, what is happening? What, what is really happening right now? Did you have any idea when you kind of were, were getting ready and, and, and gearing up to go? Because I saw you were, you know, you still had, had the mask on because, you know, there's a pandemic outside. There is still a pandemic. Uh, <laughs> still, there's the, it's the, this is a fun double cheeseburger of pandemic and protest yeah. popping right now. Right. Um, but like, what did you what did you have in your mind that it would look like? And then how did that change? How was that different or was that different uh, from what you actually saw? Man, on Sunday, so my editor. My editor called me. He was like, I need you to go down and do some protest coverage. Uh, this group, this group is posted on Facebook. They're about to march. They're going to they're gonna march to the Capitol. So kind of meet them at their headquarters, follow them, just kind of tell us what you see. Like, All right, bet. Maybe 100 people going to march and chant. They're going to get to the Capitol, say their things, and they're going to go home. Right. I was like, it's going to be, you know, I'll be home. I'll be home seven. I'll be home like an hour later. And then when I got there, he's like, just kind of hang out. And I was like, okay, I'll hang out. Just kind of watch what happens. And then Next thing I know, like, no, this is this is this is real. Like, this is news. Yeah. This is Saturday night all over again. In my mind, I didn't think that Saturday night would repeat itself. Like, I thought everybody got it all out of their system on both sides Saturday mm-hmm. night. I have never been more wrong in my life. And then I didn't think, I was like, there, there can't be anything else to break. But I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so the scariest part of the night was I, I went back to my office one more time and two of my coworkers came. So by the time the sun went down, um, our editors were telling us, we're like, just stay together. If it's, if it's, make sure you're with one, at least one other coworker. Just stay, stay together. So I was at the office. I was like, all right, I'll, I'll hang out. I'll, I'll leave when they leave. It was uh, a guy and a, and a young lady. So it was two guys and a young lady. So we're walking out of our building, and the security guard, was like, she's like, don't go out that door. We're like, all right, we'll just go out the back door. So we came out the back door and turned the corner. And I promised, like, I heard, that's the word I've been using the last three days, I heard of like 60 people were running at us full speed. I'm like, Jeez. what the hell is happening? And all I can hear is glass breaking. They, they were destroying the Jimmy John's and the uh, and the uh, Happy Hail salad place like right there in front of our building. Like throwing st- glasses broke. I could hear the glass breaking. And I just froze. I'm like, I'm, I'm not moving. It, actually, as a matter of fact, there was a pillar between the crowd. I kind of hid behind the pillar and let the crowd kind of flow past me. Right. Which was the, the quickest thing I've ever done on my feet in my life. <laughs> um, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, any quarterback would be proud of how quick I was with my feet <laughs> at that moment. But I, um, just thinking on the spot, and so I turned, I peeked around the corner, and it's like two ATVs, like full of the riot gear police, right, hauling ass coming down Wilmington Street. I'm like, I mean, down Fairfield Street. I'm like, bruh, it's dark. I'm wearing a black t-shirt and some dark jeans with this little bitty. I have, I have my media badge on, but it's. And my media badge is the size of a license in a lanyard around my neck. They can't see that with those gas masks on. Right. So I'm like, oh, shit. They're just going to assume right. that I'm with this crowd that's running away from them. So again, I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to slowly and calmly walk towards them. So my other two coworkers had kind of gone off to the left. and They had already had their badges in their hand, like raising it, showing it to the cops. So I ran to them as quick as I could to get beside them and just showed them my badge. And I was like, man, that, that could have got it. That could have gone bad. Like that could have ended really badly. Not like, not like, well, shoot, I must say not death or shit with the cops. You just never know. So I was, I was like, yeah. I was I was like that's not even safe to say that. That's why we're here in the first place. Right. 
So right. I was like, I could have got at, you know at the easiest shot and you know hit with a rubber bullet, but or worse, you know what I'm saying? So I was like, man, right. at this point, <laughs> I'm gonna tell you a real funny story. So my my editor had called me like right before that. She's like, oh, I didn't realize you were supposed to be going by now. So I was like, you need to leave. You want to stick around? I was like, I stick around for like thirty you know, minutes, maybe an hour. And then that happened. And I called her like, yo, I'm leaving. I'm done. I'm going home. Like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I'm not. You were right. It's time for me to go. I'm out of here. <laughs> and your and your coworkers, were they were they white or were they uh were they you're 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 a black guy, but I, I couldn't remember you say you were with two yeah, so, so, white people. No, no, no. One's a uh he's an Indian. And then the young lady is I, I think she's oh man, I hope she don't hear this. I think she's of uh <laughs> Uh, Spanish descent, uh, Latino descent. Oh God, I feel so bad right now. No, I, I, the re- and the, I didn't mean to put you on the spot like that. But the reason I asked, they weren't white. They weren't to, white. And they weren't yeah, black. I, yeah, I'm trying to. I'm trying to imagine like in the midst of this thing because I'm. I'm wondering as a black man, um, and as a part of the media, kind of, um, what are your thoughts about the media's role in 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 these protests? About you know how. Uh, the relationships on, on both sides that I, I'm sure some media members have. And I'm just trying to to figure out what that looks like. You mentioned running to the rest of your media to try to like, you know, distance yourself. Like, Hey, I'm, I'm a media member. I'm covering this thing. Like as, as a safety precaution, I was just wondering kind of, kind of what that would look like. That was the reason I asked about whether or not they are white. Cause I, I know that I've been watching various protests in different places and that that credential as you mentioned like that's not that's not much protection that's not a bulletproof vest for anything no. and i, I talked you know the scary part about that is i talked to a friend of mine the next day who works for the sheriff's department and i was like man i got caught in that crowd yo they, they couldn't tell the difference he was like pope with that mask on if you in that crowd we don't know who media we don't know who's protesting we don't know who's looting. we just shooting in there we we we, we, we got to dispel the rubber bullets and disperse that crowd we don't know who is who so you wouldn't have been you would not have been safe in that crowd at all. But I mean, as far as the relationship goes, I because nothing has happened bad the last two nights, I don't think it's that bad. But I mean, some of the protesters, their tone changed Monday and Tuesday. I've heard a couple people say, well, the media's twisting up words or they're gonna film this and somehow edit it. I'm like, dude, I got, I'm on my iPhone just like everybody else is. I'm like, I don't have iMovie. Well, I do, but I don't know how to use it. <laughs> I'm like, I'm, I'm recording what's happening in real time. How am I gonna change that up? But you know, it's 20, it's 2020. Man. People want to blame the media for everything. It's the media's fault. It's the media's fault. It's the media's fault that windows got broken down times when we're showing it. Like, stop doing it. What the fuck? You know what you mean? <laughs> do you feel like? Do you feel like an added level of responsibility to cover? To, to cover the protest because you are black? No. I want to go home and watch it on TV, man. <laughs> right. Real. Like, and the thing about it is, it really didn't hit me. Like, like I told you earlier, man, I, I just don't have, know that, how to describe how I feel, man, because there have been times when I've been at the protest and people are speaking, and I'm like, yeah, I, I agree with, with what you're saying 1,000%. You are making a valid point. I can't say that to them. I can't march with them. I still got, I got to tell the story. But I'm like, yo, I, this... It's, it's 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 tough, man. It's been the toughest assignment, like almost to the point. Uh, this morning, I was just I was I was running this morning. When I run, I think that's my time to think. And I was like, I really consider maybe like writing a letter to my editor and just being asked to be pulled off protest coverage. Because I'm just like, man, I'm, this is a tough spot for me. Because like, there have been moments when I'm like, they have very good valid points, but there also have been moments like, yo, why don't y'all go home, man? Like y'all said y'all peace, and then y'all just being redundant. 
So, I mean, I, I've said it on both. And then also the moments, like, I, I want to tell you the story. I want to let everybody know how this is really going down at this moment. So, this it's, it's been an emotional week, man. It's been, it's been crazy. But, you know, I got I find ways to kind of put things in perspective and get back into the moment. Like, my favorite saying is be where your feet are. So, I just kind of be centered for what, I, or what I'm doing right there at the moment. But it, the, I'm tense. I, I can feel the tension in my body and anxiety in my body right now. And I'm not going back out there until tomorrow. But 24 mm-hmm. hours before – well, all day really. Twenty four hours before I even got to go, I could feel myself getting tense. I, I could feel the, the the anxiety and and the stress just a day before, and that's that's not good, man. That's not healthy at all. You mentioned a little bit of your levels of uncomfort, like so. Obviously, it's a it's a it's a very uncomfortable situation to be in the in the midst of it. But you're talking about like even when you're at home and even when you're not in in the process of covering this stuff it stays with like that anxiety stays man, with listen, you i told one of my coworkers the other day and she laughed he thought i was joking i was dead ass i was like we're gonna all need therapy when this is over with and she was like Hah. i was like no i'm serious i'm serious like we're gonna all need to talk at least at least worst case scenario somebody to talk to talk to like through all you're probably the first person i really vented to like i come home every day and i talk to my wife about it but only for right. a little bit but i'm like this is probably i feel like this is the first time i've ever been able to really vent through it but yeah, it, it stays with you, man. Like, the sad part is I was off yesterday, but I was still, like, following along in our Slack channel and on Twitter for our people who are there today, just kind of following along and see what's going on. And I'm like, that's, that's not good. I mean, you know, I, I hate bringing work home with me. Like, when I, um, when I come to sports, I don't be coming here trying to look at uh, stat sheets and stuff like that. You know, I, I leave it at the right. door. And I, this, is, this is something different, man. And I don't know. The, the scariest part to me is, well, not scary. That's not an accurate term, but the the crazy part is like we don't know how long this is gonna go on. You know what I'm saying? It, can it go? No, I, <laughs> I I was wondering because I you you had mentioned that but like you know you had said your because I, I I struggle with the same thing too right because ultimately I want especially the people that are uh, believe that there needs to be police reform and that are doing this protesting ultimately I'm I'm aligned with them right and so like I want them to be okay right like because. It's as the longer these these protests occur, just by the nature of of, of how adversarial this thing is right now, there you're gonna have more uh you're gonna have more cases of yeah, violence. Exactly. And the thing is, man, I was watching it last night, and I'm just gonna be just raw and uncut with this. Some some Please of them cats who out there when the sun go down and after the curfew, they just out there just to be shouting, just to be out there and be singing, I feel like. So for example, the mayor not the mayor, uh the police chief came out last night. Let me back up for a second. The people who are organized and have a plan, they leave at 8 o'clock when the curfew starts. The people who stay after 8 o'clock, what I've seen the last couple of days, they just out there winging it. So last night, the police chief came out. They finally got her to come out. And she talked to the people. And she was, and people, somebody in the crowd was like, yo, us marching made this happen. Did you come out and actually are listening to us? Which is a fact. Right. So they were trying to keep marching. They was like, well, it was like, nine something they wanted to march to 10 they were like let us march to 10 let us y'all they kept, kept going back and forth back and forth let us march to 10 and she was like okay i make a deal with y'all she was like if y'all come back y'all leave right now come back tomorrow at 6 a.m march to 8 all day we, throughout the day we don't care and i'll sit down and talk with y'all which i thought was fair you got her out there and you got her to you got her to agree to come and have a sit down and folks was like no no we want to stay to 10 and keep speaking our peace i'm like dude you have to compromise somewhere she gave y'all. She gave y'all opportunity to come out here and sit down. She's like, I'll come back and sit down with you. And they still for us. She finally broke and let them stay to nine forty-five. But I'm like, you got to realize, like, for her to 
have an 8, 8, 8 p.m. curfew, not arrest anyone who's out there after the 8 p.m. curfew and be like, y'all got all day tomorrow, and then I'll come sit down and talk with y'all. But y'all still want to book. You know, you know, you know the old saying. You get somebody, to, uh, what is that? You give them an inch, they want a mile. Yeah, inch, they want to take a mile, right. And that just had me frustrated. You probably can hear the frustration in my voice. Like, I don't even know how we got here. Well, I don't even, I don't even know what the original question was. But yeah, just that, no, <laughs> that part. And it's just watching it on both. I'm just like, y'all got to have some. At this point, you've marched for five days now, right? At some point, you got to be all right, we all marched, y'all. We got to start sitting down and making some stuff happen. That's just my opinion. No, I mean, and, and that's fair. I mean, I, I vacillate on it, right? Because on the one end, obviously, I don't want anybody to be out here getting hurt. But on the other end, I mean, if you look largely, if you take, take it away from Raleigh okay. for a second, you look at it on a larger perspective, like, um, um, I need to pull up his name. Give me one second. Uh, David, uh, Derek Chauvin, the one who had his knee on George right. Floyd's neck. He, he uh, has an upgrade in his charges from third degree to second yep. degree murder. The, the charges uh, of aiding and abetting are then applied to his three other colleagues that were there on the scene as they killed George Floyd. But I don't know if that happens, if everything, if everybody's just okay with right. this, right? Like when the, when the, when the video uh, is, I don't even know what day it was now, because every day is pretty right. much the same now. But, uh, but like, I think it was last Tuesday where the video surfaces and then there's the immediate outlet, uh, outcry and then the protests start to, to occur and start to multiply across the country. Well, I don't know if we're ever at this place, even if with peaceful protests, like, I, I understand and I want the idea that a peaceful protest is going to change things. Uh, but sometimes I do wonder if, like, it is that the application of this, this, this civil unrest, if, if that is, as it gets turned up, if that is the reason these things change. If may, maybe those three other officers don't get charged. Maybe, uh, maybe uh, uh, that police officer is, stays with that third degree. Um, that charge they had on it. Like there is there there is a larger bit of change that occurs. And I don't I don't have the answer. I'm not gonna sit up here in front like I do because it is this is all like extremely crazy. Um but I do I'm always concerned that like if if you are so if there has to and, and you mentioned it, there is a point of yes, you want to work with these people, but there also needs to be an understanding that like this is not okay. Right. Like there there are larger issues and larger things. Even if you take it out of Minnesota, there are larger issues and larger things that need to occur. And I just don't know the best way to go about it. It's not that's a tough that's a tough position to be in. But that kind of feels like where we are now, because like if we're talking about how long something goes, I'm trying to remember, I think the Montgomery versus boycott was something like 50 plus days or, you know, I mean, like how long does this occur so that this necessary change happens? And I. For life of me, that's what I've been kind of going around thinking. As these protests have, have gone longer and longer, I just don't know what the like. What is the solution going to look like where that is no longer? Yeah, what's current? the end game? Like, if someone if if you're going to keep marching and someone says they're willing to sit down and listen, then do you stop marching? Um, like, I, I just don't. I just I just want to know what the end game is. And part of that is I'm just my frustration. I'm and my fatigue. And part of it is I just I just want the people who are out there to like have a strategy other than just marching, shouting, and like breaking stuff. You know what I'm saying? No, I I, yeah. I definitely feel you. And I, I also wonder about um when you when you talk about the especially like people breaking into businesses and stuff like that. I know it's been reported in other areas of the country. 
about some of those people not really being a part of the protest, really just being a part of their own thing, having having an idea that they would like to uh, either make the rest of the protesters look bad or just cause general chaos and, and havoc. Um, that's always I'm always wondering about that, too. Right. Like you see these people that are clearly not a part of the protest and don't really seem to be a part of this uh, Black Lives Matter movement messing stuff up just so that they so that things can be messed up and then maybe some of this violence can escalate because i think that is probably um the 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 response for a lot of people no nah, that's accurate man They're, like i talked to one organizer organizer at eight o'clock he was kind of walking off his his group is pretty they have demands they they pretty they pretty straight and i asked him i was like yo there was another group marching away and i was like yo i was like where are you uh where y'all going next he's like man i don't know i'm not with this group they're not organized they have our right. They're, they're taking our same demands and and putting them as theirs. And that's not gonna work. We gotta we gotta somehow come together and make us one. And I'm like, yeah, because what's gonna happen now is they're gonna have your same demands going ahead being reckless or or careless, and people gonna tap and gonna lump y'all all in together. And then your demands and your 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 mission your mission is gonna get lost. So, I mean, the 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 police chief willing to sit down. That was one step. Now they want the governor to come out and sit down and talk to him. Then they want the mayor to come out, sit down and talk to them. But then it's crazy because one group just wants to talk to them. Another group is like, we, we're not happy to they're fired. So I'm just like, man, who's going to win? Like, how did, who, you want, obviously, you and I both uh, huge fans of The Wire. And right. one season, someone, someone said, you know, uh, I, can't, I can't quote it verbatim, but it was kind of like, war is in. Like, how do you, how can you tell when, when the war is like, This isn't a war. War is in. Like, is, what, what how's this end? Like who 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 who's gonna win? How do you determine who wins? That's a really good question. I'm, I want to switch it up just a, a little bit um, because you are because <laughs> you because you are a sports writer and we and we we talk about sports all the time offline. Um, and then we uh, recently had Mikey Williams, who's a, a a top rising sophomore, I think sophomore junior in his graduating class, plays basketball. And he he's been openly musing about attending an HBCU, a historically black college, mm-hmm. in the future. Um, is that something? And, and a large part of it has to do with what's going on now, like this 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 large despair, this obvious large disparity in the way that we are policed, in the way that we are governed, as opposed to the rest of America. And I, I wonder if that's something that I know top prospects have kind of dabbled with it before, but is that something you think that we'll see more? Uh, it, and more force kind of moving forward given given the recent Man, events. It sounds good, don't it? You ever said you ever said it to one of your friends? Like <laughs> like one of your friends ever said some shit to you, you'd be like, sounds good, don't it? And you know, and that's that's yeah. just what it is. It sounds good. It sounds real good. Right. It's, and it's and it's really easy to say right now. It's it's it super really easy is. to like, say. It, it's it sounds so oh, cool it's, right now. What do young kids say is right right now to me is cap. They're capping right now. <laughs> so, you, so you're not you're not buying none of this. You're not buying any of this as as real because I he, I've, wasn't, he wasn't the only one, but his he's 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 been probably the most prominent one. And we saw and we kind of have had this conversation before because there are some other players that are already in the league, like uh like Chris Paul and some some other people who 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 support black colleges and 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 are, are you know where the where the Howard joint, where the Morehouse joint, where the A and T, whatever have you. Um, but obviously, they made decisions about going to PWIs instead. 
Um, do you, yeah, I was about to say, do you think it's now is at the point where Show it's like, me. nah, fam, I'm, like, don't be out here. I can't, man. I don't think at all. I, I know I need to be, I, I know I need to see it. <laughs> it sounds so good, man. It's so, it's so easy to say right now, and it's so easy those likes and retweets right now. Man, it sounds good. It's, it's a good clout. It gives you a lot of clout right now. He's like, yeah, man, I think about HBCU. All right, commit to one. <laughs> real. Commit to one. <laughs> That's real. Because, I mean, there are, there are HBC. I know that the part of it is, you know, obviously, HBC, you, we are both products of, of historically black colleges, and we don't have the money, right, to be, to be going head up with these PWIs, at least as it stands right now. Um, but there are still D1 programs at HBCUs. You can still get a really high-quality education. And for basketball players in particular, uh, for guys like Mikey Williams, I don't know how you know. I don't know what this one and done rule is even gonna look like. As, as I mean, yes. he's like a sophomore, uh, so he's a, by the time he even gets uh, through high school, it might not even be right, worth right, it right, right. for him to to go to one year college because obviously a G League is obviously changing some things as well. But you know, like if you're going to leave after one year, go. Like yeah, like why 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 not? Like you're no one's gonna knock you for going to an HBCU. Like oh, all of a sudden you were the number one rated. Uh, such and such in the in the country when you were a senior high school, you went, attend one year college. And now listen you're not going to get drafted. To me. You know what I mean? When I was in years ago, when John Wall was a senior, I wasn't in Raleigh. I was in Rona Rapids, then, and I wrote a story about Lavelle offering him. And I was like, "What's one year playing college basketball going to do?" When he was going to okay, he couldn't. He had to go to college back then, which means right. if he didn't have to go to college, he would have got drafted right out of high school. Which means NBA scouts and evaluators watched him play against the drum major from the band and some cat who not even give a damn about basketball full time. And they still thought he was a pro. You know, you understand what I'm saying? So I'm like, right. No, tell 100%. Me one year of playing college basketball would have changed their mind. He, he would have got better competition than those high school cats he was playing against and killing. And like, like Lavelle said about John Wall, John Wall was a pro when he was 15 years old, like one semester of college, nine months of college wasn't going to change that. Um, so yeah, I agree. One, go, you, if you're gonna be on campus for nine months, man, go be around the culture. But not even Mikey Williams. I got a better. I saw, I saw another kid today. He's from he's from uh, uh, Mississippi. That name is Ruffin. He put, he's, he put out the same tweet. Like maybe I go to HBCU too. He's a he's a junior or a senior. Now he's not a one and done type kid. Dude, there's plenty of HBCUs in Mississippi, right? Commit to one. Yeah, I'm, I'm, <laughs> thanks. I'm yeah yeah. I'm if not you in the south, you know what you know what the shape. The Mikey Williams one surprised me because I think he's from Cali, and I know you know I would talk to a lot of people um, my freshman year at Howard, and a lot of the California kids didn't know anything about HBCUs. Right, right, right. There's none over there uh, on the West Coast, and so a lot of them didn't know anything about HBCUs, and were like kind of senior year they they kind right, of found right. out about us through usually usually through like some some virtual tours or whatever whatever. And so, like, that was the most surprising thing to me because I know it's not as big of a culture there. Yeah, if you're in Mississippi, you know, you talk about John Wall, he's from Raleigh, like, you know, you can't, you can't throw a, a brick in Raleigh without being Oak Shaw, St. Aug, A&T. Like, all of that is within 45 minutes of where you are. So I, that, that is an interesting thing to me just because the placement in the country, that was kind of one of the first West Coast guys, youngsters. Well, the kid last year that. who took a visit, the two kids who took a visit to Howard, Last year, we're both, we're both West Coast oh, yeah, guys. Right. I'm, t- I'm, I'm tired of kids. I think True. kids, some of that, they use some of that for just like attention and clout. Man, I don't care. Commit to one if you about it. If you mean that, commit to one. Yo, especially now, Dontre Styles is the number one kid in North Carolina in class of 2021. He already verbally committed to North Carolina. I think everybody right now will understand if he called Roy, like, you know what? I think I want a central. I think I want to be around my own people. 
It's it's easy. Do it. Commit to yeah. it. What you scared of? You told yeah. me it, it sounds again. It sounds good. You got me worked up now, man. I, <laughs> it sounds good, don't it, man? Listen, I saw this morning a kid who plays wide receiver for North Carolina. Did you see this? He um no. Oh yes, he yes, posted sir. a picture yes, like I wanted to yes, cheer for me, like if I didn't play ball or something like that. I'm like Wale tried to tell y'all right. varsity blues. Man. You ever you ever heard Wale's song Varsity Blues? He tried to I, tell him. I didn't. have. So I'm like, okay, yeah. if you got to wonder that, transfer. Go to AT. Go to Johnson C. Smith. Go to Central. <laughs> I, I saw that tweet. I forgot. Dynan, I forgot Dynan, which one. Dynan Dynan Brown. Yeah. I can pronounce his name. I don't, I don't club a Carolina girl. Yeah, I think I, I think that's I think that's what it was. Uh, and I I was just looking at that because he posted a picture of yeah, him. I guess after a touchdown or after a big play where he's kind of in the crowd, right? And you see mostly white people cheering him on. I just I was trying to think about what that would feel like, right? Where you know that you're on a campus with a lot of people that if you didn't score these touchdowns, if you weren't scoring these buckets, they wouldn't yeah. be rocking with you like that. Like they would, they give you the same side eye that they, they give a lot of these other black yep. kids for being on campus. And I like, cause you're in class with them, right? Like that's the difference between being a pro and being, you know, one of the differences between being a pro and being an amateur is like pros, LeBron ain't coming by and, and hanging out with you later on today you know, as you go to econ or anything like that, right? Like, he goes to his house with his family, and, you know, it's just – that's more of a, like, a co-worker vibe almost. Like, okay, cool, I'll see you at this time, at this place, and then afterwards, I'm out. Like, it would be weird living with people in the same dorms or going to the same classes, and you're legitimately wondering, like, uh, you know what? I don't think they rock with me like that. Like, that would be crazy to me. Like, like that would, yeah, that would really believe, hurt man, my listen. spirit. <laughs> I get it, man. You're a four, five, three, four, five star recruit, man. You want to go somewhere where you get the gear. You want to fly on the plane to the games. You want to have your own resident hall. You want to have your own dining hall. You want to walk around and people really rock with you and care about you because you play that sport. You want to play in front of. You want to play on TV. You want to play in front of sold out crowds. You want you want all the perks to come with playing that that, that game. But man, <laughs> like you said, if you if you walk around campus and you ain't got that helmet and that jersey on, do they know you? Do they, do they, if, you, if you're not wearing that team right. issue gear and you're wearing that, um, you're wearing that polo and them Tims, how you think they, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. So listen, real quick, I found a tweet. Malcolm Bell, uh, Malcolm Bell played quarterback at Central, uh, three-year starter. He's a, now he's a QB trainer. He tweeted this one day ago. He said, young black athletes, please don't start mentioning HBCUs if you're not really about it. I'm not condoning any of that clout chasing about that. If you're really serious, stand on it and start something great. I was like, I could not agree more. Yeah, that, that I think I saw that uh, floating down my timeline too. Like, yeah, I, I wholeheartedly uh, believe that. Like, I'm not, I'm not saying you have to, but at the same moment, like, if don't, don't do it for for the likes, don't do it for the retweets, don't do it for any other reason other than a genuine interest. And going to an HBC. And I'm not going to sit up here and claim right. the HBC is not for right. everybody. They are not. But, like, if you, you know, if, it, if you're serious and you're real with it, you could really start something. You could really change something for that program. Like, not like, not like one season and you're, you're, no, you could change, you could culturally shift some shit. And, like, that would, you know, that would, you would leave an indelible mark on the history of athletics. I'm going I'm to I'm get you out of here on this because I wanted to ask you a little bit about, uh, a new a new show that you got going on called uh, Show Your Credentials. We mentioned credentials earlier. Um, but could you talk a little bit about what you're yeah, doing? Yeah, so now? I, um, you know, this this came about because of the corona. You know, I was tired of sitting in the house. Well, I'm still, not, I'm still sitting in the house doing it. 
but uh I, I was uh I was sitting in the house every day and I was like man I wanna I wanna still talk to some of my people I, I still want people to let let people know out there and I'm doing stuff and I was like I seen all these these versus battles and people was really taking advantage of the platform of IG Live. And so I was like, I think it'd be dope if I just get some people I know in the business and just chop it up, have some have some conversations with them. And, you know, I I think I, I feel like I know enough people in this business so I can reach out to and have some pretty dope guests. And I, it's just a way to kind of really just, just have somebody talk to for, for an hour a day and take my mind off the corona. Um, I really wish I could take my mind off the, the protests and the, and the stuff that's going on downtown Raleigh, but yeah, it's just kind of a way to just kind of express myself and have something that's mine. You know, I, I didn't have to go through the N and O or go through right. my editors. I'm like, no, this is my shit. I can do it in my house. Uh, and I can say what I want up there. I can get my own guests. And it's, I don't want to do it anymore. Then I, I can stop doing it. Simple as that. So. When, when is, well, when is it? It was weekly week before right? I had started covering protests. Um, now, I'm not sure <laughs> right. when I'm going to do it again. So, yeah, it was weekly. It was uh every Tuesday, but shoot, I, I don't know when I'm gonna do another one. Give give a give them your um your Instagram and your Twitter accounts so that, that they can follow um for when the next show so your credentials what does is pop my up. Twitter account. Oh my Twitter I mean yeah, my Twitter is J E Pope the Fourth, Capital J, Capital E, Capital P, O P E, Capital I, Capital V. That's my Twitter handle. And then my uh my Instagram is just J- uh, Jonas Pope the Fourth. J O N A S P O P E letter I the letter V. And you can follow me on Instagram and, and Twitter, uh both same handle, H U Cosell, H U C O S E L L. Man, Pope, I just want to say I appreciate you, man. Like I I know this was, you know, I was looking at your work and the and, and the stuff you were doing, uh covering the protests, and I, I definitely wanted to reach out to you. I was reaching appreciate out to you it. anyway to make sure you were good, but uh, I'm I'm glad that you were able to give us a little bit more insight and a little bit more intimacy about what this actually looks like. Because you know, we're, I'm watching on TV and I'm taking in all this media, but it's it's one thing to see it through there. It's another thing to like really legitimately be there, man. Stay safe. I appreciate the work you're doing. I love hey, you, man. Love, brother. And, uh, we will talk soon. All right, boy.